Good morning and welcome to The Ripple, your daily podcast for all the circles in your life. Happy Friday. This one is dedicated for all the workers that work nine to five. And you want to party. Yeah. Hey, it's Friday. Let's party tonight. Party, baby. It's Today is the last daily episode of The Ripple. Beginning next week, we'll be releasing episodes once a week on Wednesdays. Next week's episode will be featuring an interview with local doctor, infectious disease expert, and New York Times columnist Tim Leahy about the current pandemic and news of a vaccine. Let's get to your headlines. In local news, Vermont leaders are bracing for thousands to lose their unemployment benefits as another stimulus package from Congress remains up in the air. Some 8,000 Vermonters in the Federal Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program, which provides unemployment benefits to people who do not pay into the system like self-employed and gig workers. These Vermonters work in all kinds of industries, from carpentry, arts, hospitality, and others. Without a new stimulus package from Congress, the benefits are set to expire at the end of December. Additionally, there are also some 12,000 Vermonters on extended benefits, part of the Federal Pandemic Emergency Unemployment Compensation Program, who are slated to lose benefits. That program is funded by the CARES Act, which added 13 weeks of extended unemployment benefits on top of the regular 26 weeks. Expecting a big influx of needs for resources in the coming weeks, the Vermont Labor Department is also training its staff to connect with Vermonters as part of the state's social safety net. These 20,000 losing their main cash benefit will not only hurt families directly, but will also have a trickle-down effect on the economy. Less spending means less taxes and more of a strain on education and property taxes. Nationally, medical experts advising the U.S. Food and Drug Administration have recommended emergency approval for the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus vaccine. The decision comes after a 23-member panel met to determine whether the drug's benefits outweigh the risks. The Pfizer vaccine has already been approved for the public in the UK, Canada, Bahrain, and Saudi Arabia. The drug still needs to be formally approved by the FDA's vaccine chief, which is expected in the coming days. The recommendation comes a day after the U.S. recorded more than 3,000 deaths in the latest 24-hour period, the highest total in a single day anywhere in the world. Alex Azar, the U.S. Health Secretary, said on Wednesday that after the FDA meeting, quote, we could have a vaccine within days and be administering it to the most vulnerable people next week, end quote. Operation Warp Speed, the federal government's vaccine distribution program, has said the vaccine deliveries will begin within 24 hours of approval. Pfizer plans to have 6.4 million doses ready for the U.S. in the first rollout in late December. Because two shots are required per person, that's enough for 3 million people out of a total U.S. population of 330 million. Internationally, EU leaders have agreed on a more ambitious goal for cutting greenhouse gases, reducing them by 55% over the next decade rather than 40%. The new target was reached after difficult all-night talks in Brussels. Poland, heavily reliant on coal, won a pledge of the EU funding to help it transition to cleaner energy. The EU Commission will draw up detailed plans for all 27 member states to contribute to the 55% target, measured against the 1990 CO2 emission levels. 
Greenpeace, however, is urging a minimum cut of 65% in EU carbon emissions. That figure was also advocated by Johannes Walmer of Austrian Green Group Global 2000. The UK government plans to slash UK emissions by 68% over the next decade. In sports, and you should mute now for 20 seconds or so, Patriots fans, the Pats got trounced last night in LA, losing 24-3 to the LA Rams. Cam Newton's rough outing was brought to an end when Bill Belichick benched him, but the lead was too great for any replacement to overcome. The loss drops the Pats to 6-7, and seven, while the win sees the LA Rams improve to 9-4. and four. Now let's look ahead to your weather forecast. Today we'll see partly cloudy to mostly cloudy skies as temps make their way into the 40s. Winds out of the south will be between 10 and 15 miles per hour. As the sun continues to come up a little later, sunset holds steady at 4.12 p.m. Your weekend looks like this. Rain in the afternoon tomorrow with highs around 40, while Sunday seems warmer with a high of 48 and a cloudy day with a small chance of showers. Now, let's grab some cash and jewelry in Today in History. On December 11, 1978, half a dozen masked robbers raided the Lufthansa Airlines cargo building at JFK Airport in New York, making off with more than $5 million in cash, which is $21 million in today's dollars, and almost $1 million in jewelry. To this day, the Lufthansa heist, as it's known, is considered one of the greatest in U.S. history. The plan was dreamed up by Peter Grunwald, a Lufthansa cargo worker at JFK Airport. Grunewald knew that Lufthansa regularly flew large amounts of unmarked cash from Europe, the U.S. currency exchanged overseas by American tourists and servicemen to JFK. Typically, this money would be immediately transferred to American banks via Brinks trucks. However, delays sometimes caused the cash delivery to arrive after the last trucks had left for the day, which meant it was stored at the airport until the next business day and vulnerable to theft. Grunewald took his plan to fellow cargo worker and friend, Louis Werner, in hopes of putting it in motion. Unfortunately for Grunewald, Werner saw the robbery as an opportunity to get out from a mountain of personal gambling debt and double-crossed his friend. At about 3 a.m. on December 11th, the black van loaded with the masked men pulled up to the Lithuansa storage area. The men entered the building while the getaway van was brought to the back. They burst in, wielding guns, rounding up the night shift employees and handcuffing them in the break room. The gunmen forced the supervisor to open the 10 by 20 foot vault to avoid setting off alarms. The cash and jewels were loaded into the van and the crew inconspicuously drove away. The entire heist lasted little more than an hour. Unfortunately, they didn't exactly get away free and clear. Rather than take the van to get crushed in a mob-controlled junkyard the night of the robbery, getaway driver Parnell Stephen Stax Edwards got drunk and left it parked illegally on the street in Brooklyn, where it was found with his fingerprints and footprint in the interior. Burke decided to cut ties between Edwards and his crew, and the driver became the first suspect in the crime to be murdered. 
As Burke got more and more paranoid and greedy for a larger share of the copious amounts of cash taken to the heist, the dominoes began to fall fairly quickly. Krugman was the next to go, disappearing on January 6, 1979. By the summer of that year, eight men associated with the robbery were dead or missing. With help from testimony from Grunewald, Werner was convicted for his role in the heist, but refused to cooperate or give up his co-conspirators. To this day, only a portion of the stolen money was ever recovered. And that's all for today's episode of The Ripple. Thank you for your daily support. I hope you will continue to listen as we move to a longer weekly format. Take care of yourself and each other, and have a sterling day. If I knew the way, I could take you home.